0: Welcome to today's podcast of AA Speakers. Our lineup for today is Brian B. He's leading a meeting on Step One at the Bottom Line Group in Palmano Beach, Florida. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Here's Brian. Format is a closed step meeting. It uh, says here it's an appendix or whatever it is. It says to read in sequence from the 12 and 12 or big book and open for discussion. So um, I'm going to read out of both, actually. Some people don't necessarily like the 12 and 12. I love it. Some of it. Some of it I don't understand, which was much like the big book when I first opened it. Um, You know, I'm going to... I have this commitment for about 12 weeks thereabouts. I'm going to try to stick with the first step for the first two weeks because there's other steps down the road that uh, we have to cover both of them in one week, like six and seven and eight and nine are really kind of joined together as far as I was taught and the way I worked. Um, Let's start out, you know, um, forward to the first edition of the big book. The reason I stick to the big because of the steps is because it's pretty clear it states in here a couple different times. And this is the first one. It says to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. You know, and um, I don't know, the more meetings I go to, the more I realize a lot of people have never read the book. So it's good to do it in this kind of sitting for me. Uh, I'm going to start out with the doctor's opinion. I'm not going to read entire chapters or... Uh, it's just um it gets redundant at time i'm not going to spend too much time talking myself i like to like to get group activity for myself i like to hear other people's experience as well but um you know the first step says that we admit we were powerless over alcohol that our lives become unmanageable you know and it was pointed out to me pretty recently actually that there's no and in there it's a dash you know it's you know, it's a two-part thing to admit I'm powerless over alcohol and to admit that my life is unmanageable. You know, I've heard a lot of different things in our rooms. And, you know, my experience of taking people through the steps, that second part can mean just about anything. You know, it comes down to certain certain things. And the way my sponsor taught me is it's managing the decision to stop. You know, I can't manage that decision. I can't, I can't manage my own life no matter what's going on. You know, I've sponsored guys that... Look, are next to homeless and i've also sponsored guys that that work you know 40 50 hours a week pay their bills and you know and do pretty good you know but uh they just can't stay stopped you know and and i believe that's why we're here to learn how to stay stopped you know throughout my uh throughout my my drinking and and i've done a lot of other things you know if you guys are still getting hung up on words uh, i don't know what to tell you maybe you're not done yet but uh i can substitute words easily You know, and um, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and it worked basically for everything. So, you know, um, for myself, it, uh, you know, I've tried stopping many times, you know, and I've been able to a few different times actually stop, you know, and, and, you know, it just didn't last. You know, some sometime down the road, something just wasn't going my way, and, uh, you know, I picked up. Or things, everything was going my way, and I picked up. Either way, it was just I found some reason to, to pick up again. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest problems is that, uh, you know, that we can't stay stopped. Um, another reason I'm going to stick with that, the first step for a couple, for at least two uh, two meetings, is because I, I, I think it's important, especially a lot of the stuff that's in the big book about... Uh, about what it is? What is? You know what? What is an alcoholic? Why? You know why am I an alcoholic? And why do I believe that I'm an alcoholic? And I believe it's for two different reasons. One is when I drink alcohol, when I put it in my body, you know something happens where I want to drink more. You know it's an allergic reaction, as it talks about in the doctor's opinion, when I'm going to read. You know, and and something I can relate to. I've been allergic. I, I have a condition called allergic rhinitis or rhinosis or something where I can become allergic to just about anything. If, you know, I smell a flower, I can touch, you know, bread, and it'll be a an allergic reaction, and it changes. You know, but one thing I've always been allergic to is poison ivy. You know, I can be like 10 feet away from it, and I break out. That's, you know what I mean? That's, you know, and, and that's no big deal because, you know, I... I just don't go near it. I can see it from 10 feet away, and I don't go near it. You know, but I have the same allergic reaction, the same type of activity happen in my body when I drink alcohol, yet I can't stay away from it. You know, I don't have an overwhelming obsession to roll in poison ivy. I just don't. So <clears throat> we'll start out here in the, the doctor's opinion. We're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, the first part of it. It says here, it's uh, about four pages in I don't know which, I got a third edition so it's not going to match the fourth but it's about three pages in it says the first paragraph says we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol in these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker you know um, that's uh, that sums it up really quickly right there that it never occurs. You know, so if you're one of them people that, you know, it's it's a simple question. You know, when you drink, can you guarantee how much you're going to drink? You know, every single time. You know, and not just that one or a couple times. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've had just a couple drinks went home. You know, but that one or two times, 20 times, whatever it may be for any individual, if that happens, that says here that that never occurs and the average temperate drinker um, these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it once having lost their self confidence the reliance upon things human their problems pile up on them and they become astonishingly difficult to solve frothy emotional appeals seldom suffices the message which could interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. Um, this is uh, this is my second time around in AA. The first time I came in, uh, I made it uh, about 11 months, 10, 11 months. I'm not really sure. I wasn't counting. It wasn't that important to me then. Um, but some of the things I heard and, and tried to grab a hold of was, you know, the meeting makers make it, you know, a step a year, you know, take your time don't rush into anything you know and um I don't know my experience my personal experience and my experience watching others is you know after a couple months of hanging out at AA without anything changing you know the newness wears off you know that desperation goes away that urgency to change to get better goes away you know um I heard a guy say it once you know being a drunk and not drinking, you know, not drinking is just better than being a drunk. It just is, you know, it's just when that newness wears off when that uh, that obsession comes back, you know, and it's going to talk about that. in this next <clears throat> next uh, thing I'm going to read, it's at the bottom of that same page. It says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented, Unless they can again experience a sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, the phenomenon of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. Um, The restless, irritable, and discontented, you know, they're the things. That is what I felt, you know, a good portion of my life. As far back as I can remember, I just, you know, I... I was never satisfied with myself, was where I was at, what I was doing. I wanted more or something different at all points in time, was, no matter how good it was going or no matter how bad it was going. You know, that's the discontented, not satisfied. You know, the restless. You know, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't sit in any one place. I couldn't concentrate thoughts. You know, it was I was just racing. Everything was just, you know, and... It took a while, you know, to get that peace of mind back. You know, it took me a little longer than just having, you know, a, a bright white light experience. It took a little time of, of practicing certain things on a daily basis, you know, before I, my mind settled a little bit. You know, my mind still races. You know, the, the major difference is that race is positive. You know, I'm thinking of what I can do for somebody else. I'm thinking of what meeting I'm going to. I'm thinking of good things now. I don't think of, you know, maybe I should throw this rock through the window, you know, or throw a rock at a car, you know. And some of the psychotic things that used to go through my mind that I don't even know why, but sometimes I still do. You know, and I tell people all the time, if you knew what was going on in my head, you'd probably have me committed. Um, it's irritable. It's another one, you know. It's able to keep my cool most of the time. I'm not an angry person. It's kind of relaxed, laid back, but I was irritable. You know, I, any one little thing could happen. That's it. it sets me off. You know times where I just couldn't stand being around anybody you know and all these things you know taking a couple drinks anything else for that matter would calm it you know and make me feel better be able to relax a little bit more be able to go out into the world I'll be able my mind would slow down a little bit you know be able to go out and talk to people hang out you know just made me feel better for some reason and i learned that long way way back you know that's what kept me going back to that to that drink you know no matter what happened my first experience with alcohol was a mess me and a couple friends stole a big old jug of wine drank the whole thing made asses of ourselves i got so sick it was unbelievable i got grounded for like three weeks but i did it again you know don't think you know it's you know me and max talk about it and i've heard other people talk about it you know something about us you know we just we don't learn from our mistakes you know the bad things that have happened to me because of drinking i don't learn from you know that's why i don't you know necessarily hold to the scaring people into in stand here you know the war stories and stuff because you know if the consequences of my drinking couldn't keep me here how's the consequences of somebody else's drinking going to keep me here you know, and I've heard about DUIs and killing people and, and blood and this and that. And it's just like, uh, you know, that keeps me out of here, you know, because I wasn't that bad. You know, I mean, I got down in some trouble with the law, you know, but never that bad, you know. And um, so for me, it was, it, it was very important. These are the, the little things that I can relate to, you know, that that discomfort, just that inner feeling of discomfort that a couple of drinks takes care of. You know, the problem is I can't have a couple of drinks. I have a couple, and then I have a couple more, then a couple more, and then you know, God knows what's going to happen. Now there is a solution, though, and it starts it starts talking about it early on in the book. It says, on the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired ever solving them suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. Um, I had my, my best experience with the book. actually at a big book meeting. It was two people were chairing it and uh, this is where they started. You know, they started out in the beginning, they went through the whole book and one of the things the lady was, was really hitting home on was the must and the rules. You know because i heard it you know there's no rules in aa you don't have to do anything it's all suggestions you know and and it's true you don't have to but if you want sobriety if you want the promises if you want what you know aa offers there is you know if you want to if you expect to get something out of this there are rules there are musts there are things that we have to do you know i didn't just come to a meeting sit here and you know, talk about my problems and everything got better. You know, I came in, I, I did things. I got a sponsor. I did what he told me to do immediately. Not next week, not a, you know, when I got around to it immediately. It was the most important thing to me. You know, I did not want to go back to where I came from. You know, um, I don't know that how that happened. That's one of the mysteries to me that I wish I I wish I had like a, a certain sentence I can say to somebody that can have them experience that feeling of, Oh my God, I, I can't do this anymore. You know, because that's what gave me the desperation to do what I had to do. You know, um, bottom of that same page says, I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. I have had many men who had, for example, worked a period of months in some problem or business deal, which was to be settled on a certain date favorably to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date. And then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests so that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving which is beyond their mental control. You know, and that's just what I was talking about, that. For whatever reason, you know, the same thing with me. I, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable with myself, my own skin. You know, I never felt I fit in anywhere, you know, and, and that carried over when I walked into the rooms hey, hey, You know, because by the grace of God, I walked into the rooms of AA. My neighbor at the time was in AA, you know, and he was um, very adamant about the steps in the big book. The first people I met in AA were very adamant about working the steps, having the psychic change, the spiritual awakening, whatever you'd like to call it. And and they were very, very into it. And, um, you know, so for myself, I just didn't fit in. I hadn't worked the steps. Nothing had changed. I was just not drinking. know i wanted to trust me i wanted to drink but i didn't you know and i didn't for a, a good period of time before it was just you know what i had a choice to make whether to go to the bar or go to an AA meeting and the bar just you know sounded better you know and um i don't know it took me a while it took me till i got back and learned a little bit more about you know alcoholism itself and the solution of why i stayed this time and why i didn't last time you know um this book, in the next couple chapters, really gets into difference between a hard drinker and an alcoholic, which was something that really opened up my eyes to something. And, um, you know, I always wondered, I had friends that I used to drink with man, that, that, well, um, drank just like me, if not worse, man. I know guy, guys that blacked out every friggin' time they drank, they were a mess, you know, but uh, they're not like that anymore. You know, I always wonder why, you know, why not me? Why wouldn't these guys got married? Why wouldn't they got that good job? Why, you know, when the shit hit the fan, why were they able to stop? Why, why can't I stop? You know, why do I keep getting in trouble and coming back right back to where I left off? You know, why do I keep picking up the same bottle that burned me two weeks ago? You know, and it talks about it right here. Bottom of page 20. It says moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. Then we see, have a certain type of hard drinker. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. You know, and, and that, that's it right there. People that drink just like me, they're able to stop. Why? Because they're not, they're, they're just not me. They're not alcoholic like me. You know, they're hard drinkers. You know, in next paragraph. But what about the real alcoholic? He may start out as a moderate drinker. May or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. You know, and doesn't say anything in there about drinking every day. doesn't say anything about there about waking up shaking in the morning. You know, it, j- it just says very simply, you know, we might not become a continuous hard drinker. But we're just not able to control how much we drink when we drink. You know, um... I know for myself, I could answer them questions easily. You know, Ken, I think it's in the beginning of, uh we agnostics the two questions um says if when you honestly want to you find you cannot quit entirely or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take you are probably alcoholic and it's as simple as that and the questions that i could have answered when i was probably 17 years old you know because there was times that i could not control how much i drank you know i didn't want to quit then so it would have been pointless but i could have answered that part of the question you know i couldn't answer the second part you know because I still believed that I could quit on my own you know that I could stop drinking on my own and um you know I believed that for a long time you know I believed <clears throat> I would believe that up until the point where I realized I couldn't stop you know and uh after AA for a while you know it was the the second part of it the thing that people told me was going to happen to me is that I was going to think that I was all right you know and um well, took the suggestion that's in this book that says if you don't think you're an alcoholic go out and try some controlled drinking you know and that's what i did and it took me eight months you know and, and you know uh, another court case to get me back to alcoholics anonymous you know and um i swore you know I, that was it for me you know i did not want to experience that anymore and i was i was scared you know i was truly scared to end up like that i mean it was true living hell day in and day out for me and um you know it's it, i don't suggest it to anyone but you know what i mean it's something that i had to experience to get to the point that i i was at where i was willing to say all right maybe i do have resentments you know i can remember i met doug my first time in a.a he was friends with my first sponsor and i was supposed to be writing a 4 step it was pretty you know, it was funny because he was one of the he was probably one of my first resentments in a.a he was, uh was we were sitting there and he said something, uh, my sponsor said something to the fact about the four-step resentments. And Doug said, yeah, I didn't have any resentments when I got here either. I wasn't mad at anybody. And, and I was just like, yeah, that's me. And he said, boy, was I full of shit. And I was just like, no, not me, you know. That's just, you know, that's where I was at. You know, I forgave everybody. I wasn't resentful. You know, I forgive people for what they did to me. <coughs> I don't know. Wasn't until later on I realized that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> that was my major problem is what they did to me is what I thought was wrong. You know, I had to learn that it wasn't them, it was me. And um I'm gonna read a little bit out of twelve and twelve. Two of the things I really like. And you know, I know I don't know I, you know what the case was when Bill wrote this. I've heard so many different things, but You know, I know he wrote it in the the 50s, and it was after some experience, you know, and it says, the first paragraph says, who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. It is truly awful to admit that. Glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us, you know, and this after 15 years, you still the same thing you know it hasn't changed that you know i hear about raising the bottom you know i don't you know i believe we can get people to believe they're alcoholic but to get people to believe they can't do it on their own that they don't need the spiritual you know awakening the spiritual experience to quit drinking for good is difficult you know and for me anyway it still is Bottom, bottom of that same page, it says: We know that little good can come to any alcoholic who joins AA unless he has first accepted his devastating weakness and all its consequences. Until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, if any, will be precarious. Of real happiness, he will find none at all. Proved beyond beyond doubt by immense experience, this is one one of the facts of AA life the principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered, you know and um, I've heard it a few times and I I kind of agree with it that, that, you know, it's the one step you gotta work perfectly, the first step you know, and um, I agree, I got sponsees right now that are struggling that you know, that I did the same thing with them that I did with somebody else and everything seemed just about the same and for I can't figure out why they can't stop, why they can't stay stopped and you know, it's that that one thing I keep coming to, you know, I was talking to a guy today I said, until you realize that putting that first one in your body isn't going to do any good it's going to do nothing but bad, until you accept that you know, you're going to keep doing it, you know because it's just one of them things, you know it feels like absolute shit, he knows you know One will fix that for now. And that's all he's looking for is that for now. You know, and the next day he calls me and everything's worse than it was the day before. So it's really, he's accomplishing nothing. He's just digging the hole and digging the hole. And You know, it was the same way. You know, it was exactly the same. I didn't care. A dear friend of mine that's sick right now, you know. But I, you know, I got the utmost respect for I've never been able to do that. To know just one will fix it. One will make me feel better right now. Or I can go another couple days feeling like this. You know, I've never been able to keep that one. You know, as always, if one will fix it, I'm going to go do it. And tomorrow, I'll start over again, which never came. You know, tomorrow never came. I don't think it ever comes for any alcoholic. But the last paragraph, or the last two paragraphs over 12 and 12, talks about the bottom. It says, why all this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice the AA program unless they have hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions which almost no alcoholic who is still drinking and dream of taking. Who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Who wants to confess his faults to another and make restitution for harm's done? Who cares anything about a higher power, let let alone meditation and prayer? Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive himself. Under the lash of alcoholism, we are driven to AA, and there we discover the fatal nature of our situation. Then, and only then, do we become as open-minded to conviction and as willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything which will lift the merciless obsession from us. You know, I know for me, you know, it was it was difficult. It was difficult to come to that point where I was willing to work these steps, you know, and and that's, you know, it talks about it and how it works. We read it all the time. Talks about it over and over in AA, you know, the willing to go to any length. Well, what is any length? Any length is to go through these 12 steps, to do that, to admit our faults, to sit down, to write out the fourth step, to go through all this, you know, and, and to continue to do it. It's another one, you know, because today I still realize, you know, I was told to keep the same amount of willingness, you know, as I had the first day. Am I as willing today as I was the first day I walked into these rooms? You know, when I walked in, hands in the air saying, yeah, I'm ready. You know, I, I'm just, just. what do you want me to do? You know, I've heard alcoholics are defiant people. That's not the case with me. I was not defiant when I walked back in here. I was sweetly willing to go to any length. I didn't care. I didn't care who was around and what they were doing. You know, I was going to a meeting. I was going to another meeting. I was getting a sponsor. What he told me to do, I did. You know, no questions asked. I picked the biggest, toughest, meanest looking guy in the room at the time my sponsor you know and he was actually pretty lenient with me you know i don't know if i was easy which i think i was i've I've gotten one sponsor sponsee that was similar that i can relate to that was just like all right let's do it you know and did it no questions no well you know maybe it's just whatever okay sounds good let's do it and boom you know and and it's difficult you know I, i work with guys all the time you know it's one of my that's one of my favorite things to do is help others, you know, and I do it because I realize my life depends on it My sobriety today is based on what I do today Not what I did yesterday or last week or not what I'm gonna do next week You know, I stopped, you know, planning out and telling you guys what I'm gonna do You know, I did that all my life. I'm gonna do this. So, you know, I'll do this and I'm gonna do that And I've never met up, you know, I, I just, you know, and it just digs myself in a hole and it makes me feel like crap you know, I found through my own experience and just basic new experiences with the book and new experiences with my own sobriety and with and with God. You know, I didn't, can't say I didn't believe in God when I walked into these rooms, but I didn't think he wanted anything to do with me. You know, I didn't even know what or how. I, I went to church when I was a kid, and that's where it ends. You know, my mom prayed, she told me to pray. You know, when something was going bad, you know, when somebody died, it was you know, they're with God now, and I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good you know let me get a drink <laughs> you know and i walked in and it was just i started to look at my life you know sober my head clearing up started to look at my life and realizing that i knew that there was somebody there i've always known my whole life that there was dude, i wasn't alone it wasn't just me in them bathrooms it wasn't just me you know in them dark rooms if there's somebody something somebody else i did not feel alone you know and that's that inner feeling that I got that guilt that shame you know you know somebody knew somebody saw what I was doing was ashamed and I was ashamed of myself and what I had become you know and the only thing that would take that away was a drink it would fix that temporarily you know and it would always come back and the only thing that would fix it was another drink you know and um I finally wanted to stop you know and and couldn't stand doing it anymore I, I found that I couldn't you know, and that's... I, I I had my first experience after I'd been in AA. And I'd been through the steps, and I honestly was able to look back over my life, honestly. You know, and look at all the times that I really, really wanted to stop and couldn't, you know, and realize the true meaning of powerless. You know, that, that it's not up to me. You know, that I have lost that, you know. Um, last thing I'll read out of the book, you know, and it's... That's what it is for me. It's that powerlessness. I think it's 34. Um, Pretty good. I don't have everything memorized, but I know that uh, a good portion of the book, oh, never mind, 24. It's in italics. Somebody told me that means it's important. I don't know. I know it's different than the rest of the words. It says, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times, at certain times, to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of a week, even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. You know, and um, I don't know, I wasn't a, I'm wasn't. i not a Rhodes Scholar or anything, but I, it didn't take me to get to AA before I learned that if I don't pick up the first drink, I won't get drunk. I I realize that, Uh, you know, I appreciate the wisdom, but I that was common sense to me. You know, my problem was not picking up that first one, staying stopped for a period of time, you know, and and getting, you know, coming to A.A., I I tell you what, ruined a lot of my drinking, you know, because I heard the promises. I had a, a dear friend of mine that I grew up with who's got about 18 months more sober than me, you know, and his life had made a complete turnaround you know and and was going great you know he came to AA. he got hooked up with the right people he got sober he got happy and he began to put a life together you know and and i was resentful and jealous at him for years for it for a year and a half you know because i saw it i saw what could happen by coming here you know and i wasn't here and i wasn't doing it and my life just continued to be crappy and get worse you know and um He only talked about, you know, one basic thing. That's the solution, the 12 steps. You know, when I got sober, that's all he talked to me about. Every time I talked to him, you know, I wanted to talk about this, that, the other thing. It was, what step are you on? You got a sponsor. Okay, what step are you on? Where are you at? You done, you know? You done with your fifth step? Did you do your fourth step yet? What step are you on? You know, once I threw, how many sponsors you got? You working with guys yet? You chairing meetings yet? You doing this yet? You know, and he held me accountable. I'm grateful for that. You know, he might have saved my life. You know, because I'm lazy and I don't like to do anything. You know, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to, I, I don't want to do anything 95, 95% of the time. You know, I won't lie. I won't, you know, I, I want to help newcomers. I want to help others. But that day, that one day that the guy calls me, and I say, we got to meet at four. And he calls me at three and he wants to do it. 90, you know, most people don't call. So I, I look forward to that. Not calling. I can go fishing. I watch a game, you know. But when they call, it's like, oh, man. You know, to take this guy through the steps. He's not even going to stay sober. Huh? But I do it. You know, and I found my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I'm sober today because I did the things I did not want to do. You know, I didn't come here and say, oh, wow, that looks like fun. I didn't want to do it. You know, I stay here, you know, because my life depends on it. You know, because I do not want to die. You know, I do not think I can linger around the outskirts of Alcoholics Anonymous not doing anything and stay sober i don't think i can do it i know others can i've heard them talk about it you know i know people that come into this very room with 15 16 years and still haven't worked the steps and they'll tell you about it you know but everything i've read and everything i've learned in alcoholics anonymous tells me that's not an alcoholic if you can stay sober without a psychic change or a spiritual awakening through the work of the 12 steps you're not an alcoholic you know, and I've heard it time and time again, you know, and it makes me nervous, you know, because it's been taught to me and it's my experience that without what happened to me through working these steps, through having a change of perception, through looking at things different. heard Doug mentioned, I think he was talking about what somebody else said is, you know, what is a spiritual awakening? You know, it's looking at something you've looked at before and saying, oh, wow, I've never looked at it like that. You know, and it's that simple. You know, this is Pompano. This is where I came when I came down from New York. This is where I drank. This is where I drugged. This is where I committed crimes. I did all that stuff here. You know, Pompano hasn't changed. You know, I, can, I still go up and down the same streets. Nothing's changed. Some of the same bars are there. You know, I've changed. The way I look at it, it's changed. You know, I'm grateful for what I've learned here and, and, and some of the people that have come and taught, you know, and told me. You know, I, I, I don't obsess over it. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't know why. That part of it I can't explain. It tells me in the book is because I've worked the steps and had a psychic change. I can't really explain that in my own words. Not yet, maybe in a couple more years, but for now, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not wanting to drink anymore. You know, I'm okay with doing what I do on a daily basis. And, you know, I work with people that are extremely active. You know, Kenny will tell you, me and him... You know, if, if the requirement of my if, if my job required drug tests, me and Kenny would be the only two guys that worked there. And that's serious, you know. But does it bother me? Not really. You know, it bothers me that some of the people that don't find the rooms because they're going to die. But for the most part, it's like, you know, it's how I was. And people loved and tolerated me. You know, now it's my turn. So with that, I'm going to open up the meeting for discussion some of you guys talk some and uh